Welcome everyone to the Health Service Division podcast. Today I have um, with me Cindy Nelson and Tony Galvan. My name is Blake Gilman. I'm the Vice President of Post-Acute Care Services for Life Care Services. Tony, would you like to introduce yourself and welcome to the program? Sure. Uh, Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. I'm Tony Galvan, Director of Health and Wellness uh, for Life Care Services, part of the Health Services Division team. So uh, excited about our topic today. Cindy, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hello, I'm Cindy Nelson, Director of Healthcare Marketing and Sales for Life Care Services. Welcome, you guys. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Today, we're going to spend some time around um, kind of marketing and sales, uh, health and wellness navigation as it dovetails into those subjects. And Tony and Cindy have been working hard with the communities on making that happen. And so we wanted to spend a little bit of time with uh, this podcast to address some of those those issues. So I thought we'd start off by maybe just kind of defining what a post-acute strategy is and how census development is part of that strategy. Cindy, do you want to take that? Sure. So um, what a post-acute strategy is, is really is for a community ensuring that they have uh, the right plan in place that's going to ultimately drive um, admissions to meet their budgeted marketing um, goals. So it's a it's a plan that's written um, and it's uh, one that's done with uh, a collaborative effort at a community's uh, at a community. So with a director of nursing and the administrator, along with admissions and marketing team, therapy manager, social services director. Really, there's uh, everybody on on the leadership team in a health center participates in the creation of this plan. So those are the people who uh, who participate, but also then it's uh, using relevant data uh, to create that plan based on what's happening in your market. So I want to talk a little bit about that for a minute and developing that plan, what it should look like, where what sources do we have available at LCS for folks in the field, in the communities to look at in order to develop the plan. and. So a couple of questions to, to maybe even both of you is, you know, what, what do we use for developing that plan and can a community develop a plan even without data or is it better that they extract some kind of data for a baseline? So Tony, if it's okay with you, I'll start. And uh, the, the two uh, points of reference that come to mind for me are first and foremost the strategic post-acute market assessment. Just as a reminder, this is the assessment that's created by our market research division that uses Avalier data to track patient movement in um, a community's geographic region. So, um, so that's the first place that I would start. And then the second place that I would reference, um, f- uh, that I would go to for data is actually the inquiry tracker that is the, uh, essentially the CRM for our health centers. Blake, I think you asked a good question. Can a plan be created without data? I, I guess in short, the answer is yes, but I'm not sure that it's um, going to achieve the results that one would hope that it does. Yeah, and just to just to piggyback on that a little bit, um, I think over the last you know two three years that that our group in particular 
has been talking about just the importance of developing post-acute strategies and and executing and sustaining them over time. Uh, I think data has been absolutely key to that. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, certainly with the Avalier data, um, certainly with um, any other sort of sales and marketing tools like, like you're talking about, Cindy, um, but, but not limited to those. I think um, certainly performance-wise, uh, how the health center is doing, uh, anything that can be shared from the therapy vendor themselves, uh, therapeutic outcomes, uh, lengths of stays, readmission rates, all of those things are just applicable. It's almost a, a bucket of outcomes uh, that the community should just try to leverage uh, in every way possible. Um, we feel like there's a navigational uh, component to that as well. There's data that relates um, to the effectiveness of a navigation program, and it's really all of the above. It's it's giving uh, the communities as, as much ammunition as possible um, so that as they're having those conversations with hospitals and other healthcare referral sources that they can say, here's why you want to work with us. I think one other data point, Tony, would be the uh, would be the dashboard as well. I think that um, being able to understand the historical performance of a health center is critical. So um, what I have found in working with many health centers across life care services is that from a budgetary standpoint is that we budget flat and in a health center, seasonality definitely plays a, a, a portion in this. So I think as it, as it relates to creating this plan, we have to look at historical trends so we can prepare accordingly. Yeah, and, and I think another quick note on the, uh, again, what we call the strategic post-acute market assessment. I think uh, more often than not, it's called the Avalier Report, uh, just because that's that's sort of where we get our, our data from. Uh, again, just historically, the last couple of years in particular, some of the feedback that, that we've heard from communities is, well, wait a second, can, can I get that from, from another resource or, or can I just obtain that and kind of figure it out on my own? Uh, and, and if that's the mindset of a given administrator or, or community, um, I, I think I would, and I'm sure we would all agree, would just strongly encourage them to check out um, some of the reports that we're producing. They're, they're incredibly robust. Every year, the market research team is just revamping them and enhancing them really to be kind of like an encyclopedia of sorts uh, that, that the community can go to and, and immediately not only get the data, but get the interpretation of that data. And, and that's key because uh, I think sometimes if it's obtained through a different resource, you're looking at kind of raw data um, that's exported like on an Excel spreadsheet, for example, uh, and, and having seen those exports, I can tell you it's, it's not easy to sort of filter through that information and figure out how to make sense of it. Uh, nor do I think um, a lot of the community staff has the time to do that. Uh, so, so I just wanna draw a little point of, of difference there with what it means to just obtain the data versus um, that, that actual report that um, a lot of uh, effort and energy goes into creating some of the guidance that's a part of it, uh, not to mention the the partnerships that happen as, as a follow-up to that. So, um, and, and that's probably its own podcast <laughs> uh, that we could certainly record, uh, but um, just, just want to put that out there. Well, Tony, maybe to tease for the next podcast is just, uh, you're so right, is is the interpretation of the data. So um, the health services division um, really is interactive after the results are uh, given to the community with what the Avalier data shows. And we help you define your plan with what's going to benefit you in your specific market. So you've heard me talk about a recipe, right? Relationships, programs, and outcomes. But the health services division will help you identify 
what those relationships are, help create the programs that you need to present to these relationships. And then we talk about the the necessary outcomes that have to be achieved as well. So whether it's for a, a later podcast or what, I think that's probably the single most important or most beneficial um, uh, aspect of the strategic post-acute market assessment. Yeah, I think you, you both make great points. And one of the things that I want to point out too is that it, it's very important to look at what's happening in your market. A lot of times the data we collect internally as a company relates specifically to our own community. The advantage we get by looking at outside data that you both mentioned, either from our therapy providers or Avalier, which is nationally um, adjudicated claim data from Medicare, it gives us a perspective of what other communities are doing. And as we start looking at patient flow, people moving from hospital systems to any post-acute provider, it's, it's really interesting to look at those reports and realize that maybe in the case of your own community, you may not be the best um, referral source, or you may be up top of the list. It could go either way, but it gives you an, a, a good baseline to start. So having said all of that, um, let's, let's shift a little bit and talk about um, who, creates, who creates the plan and who, who would make up that strategic team because um, I think in a lot of cases it involves a much broader brush than we would want to believe it to be, maybe just limited to sales and marketing, but I, I think it is a much broader scope in driving that strategic plan. So um, Cindy, any thoughts? Yeah, so um, I think historically, just as you said, it, it the uh, who would drive that plan is rested on the shoulders of the admissions coordinator. And today, with how um, how really I guess crazy the post acute environment is, who needs to be a part of creating that plan is not only sales and, and marketing, but also the administrator. There has to be input from the director of nursing. She plays or he plays a critical part um, in the development of, of this plan. Um, our therapy manager, and then oftentimes not only therapy manager, but also the the therapy corporate team plays a part in this. We look at our social worker. So the discharge planner is instrumental that is helping with managing the length of stay. We can't forget our navigator, truly uh, important to help with preventing that return to acute front to the hospital. And I'm even finding that um, human resources is also having a seat at the table, given the clinical complexity is changing so much within our our health centers is that HR needs to have an understanding of the types of nurses, um, uh, state tested nursing assistants that really we need to be recruiting for. They're very different today than they have been in years past. So I don't think there is a wrong member that could be uh, that, you know, would be on this team. The the more that we have, the the more... uh, robust this plan is is going to be. So Tony, could you talk a little bit about how the navigator dovetails into that? Yeah, I think it's uh, not only the person, um, i.e. the navigator or whomever is um, leading that navigation program or or overseeing navigational efforts in a, in a certain level of care. Uh, I think um, as we're talking about the creation of that post-acute strategy, it's important to include uh, the program itself, the approach itself. And that's been a big um, part of what we've been educating communities on uh, as they've gotten the navigation program in place um, to really make sure that it's inclusive of all things navigation. Uh, And so whether it's um, 
the social worker uh, being a part of things, the um, therapy director, um, the residential health services director, if it's a, a resident that's going back to independent living. Um, I would say, first and foremost, it, it's important that the community wrap their arms around uh, kind of the brand of navigation and, and the fact that this is an approach that the community is taking, that it's a philosophy um, that the community is adopting, and that as they're out there messaging, um, Cindy brought up the recipe, uh, and she brought up programs uh, as one of the components of that recipe. Uh, and that's why we call it the navigation program, because it's this it's this overall approach, uh, again, oftentimes led by a navigator, but not necessarily limited to that. And so as that, as that post-acute strategy is being created, uh, it's important to make sure that that navigation is uh, an area that's considered. Uh, and for the community really to understand what are we doing from a navigation perspective. Uh, and, and if the answer is, um, you know, we, we have some follow-up happening, uh, we have no follow-up happening, or maybe the community feels great uh, about the degree of follow-up that they, that they have going on. And that's actually not uncommon to hear. Cindy and I hear that all the time. You know, we are doing some things here and there, uh, but where communities are oftentimes missing uh, the um, kind of capitalizing on that is, is that they're not branding it as such uh, and, and knowing that the hospitals care a lot about what happens from a navigation standpoint that's where it really behooves communities to um, package what they're doing under navigation uh, to kind of go through the process uh, that we've set up to formalize what it is that they're doing and certainly if it makes sense for them to um, designate someone as the navigator hire someone um, to actually be that navigator if that's what makes sense for them uh, and then then we'll help them do that um, but I would say you know first and foremost it's 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 the importance of making sure that navigation as, is considered uh, and included as part of that PAC strategy. So Tony, the only thing that I would add to that is um, the results that the navigator or navigation program achieves are critical to be shared with the rest of the team. So let me give you an example. Um, recently, I was doing a site visit where the navigation, they actually have a navigator with a fantastic navigation program. And when meeting with the navigator, I learned that in three different instances within the last couple of months is that she was instrumental in preventing a return to acute. And during that meeting, her two liaisons who were responsible for the hospital relationships weren't aware of the success that this program is achieving. So we just need to make sure that the navigator or navigation program results are also being shared with the, you know, with the marketing team so that we can have, have those talking points when we're talking to our hospital partners in the benefits of why referring to us simply makes sense. So I think um, it's important to note that as we develop these PAC strategies, would, would you guys agree that they need to be not only external facing where we're going out into our community marketplaces and looking at ways that we can partner with other um, hospital systems, health plans, et cetera, to be partners, but we also need to be looking internally at what is what is our PAC strategy look like from a, from a community perspective and how does the health center fit with that strategic plan of the, of the uh, CCRC in general because most of our communities reside, uh, most of our health centers reside within a CCRC. So um, what would be your comment about, you know, both external and internally facing post-acute strategic plans? From my standpoint, I think it comes down to, you know, communication in regard to that health center team um, 
educating the residents who are living within the community and then also family members too. So I think about opportunities with town hall meetings and really starting with the why uh, we have a post-acute strategy and what that means to the residents that are sitting um, in the audience. I, I oftentimes think that we that we do a great job uh, communicating to the external market, to our referral uh, partners, but we sometimes forget the residents who are living within the community and even their family members. And this is the benefit of, of why they've chosen to live with us. So I think it comes down to communication. And again, I, I look at uh, town hall meetings that are typically monthly within a community as the forum to, uh, to start the education. I think that that Blake is actually a really, really good question. And um, I'd say that that's exactly what the navigation program is about. Uh, and, and that's a big reason why uh, I feel we kind of developed that. And, and we felt that it was important for navigation to not happen in silos. Uh, and that even for our own residents, if they were using our health centers, um, that once they were coming back to an AL memory care setting or to an IL setting that um, it wasn't just, you know, sort of the, the handoff without um, as much communication as could happen. Um, so I think uh, um, internal um, navigation is, is absolutely um, critical to the community's success and absolutely a part of that strategy. And as communities integrate navigation, uh, one of the things that we um, really talk about and stress is the importance of just communication and constant awareness of what's going on with that resident uh, at any given point in time. Uh, and, and we also really emphasize um, kind of the value proposition, uh, which is a little bit what Cindy was talking about, which is to the current resident, uh, to their families, uh, what, what is the value behind them knowing and understanding what's available to them from a navigation standpoint. You know, oftentimes this is the behind the scenes work that happens or it's reactive in the sense that unless something happens to you, you're not really aware of all of that um, uh, coordination of care and management of care that happens behind the scenes. So uh, we we stress that as communities get navigation on board uh, and even over time uh, to Cindy's point on just constant communication and education on, you know, this is what, what it means to live here. This is what's available to you. Here is who makes up the navigation team. Here are the services, programs, and resources that make up navigation at this community so that, again, they could feel good about their decision to uh, move into one of our communities, to remain uh, in one of our communities, and to just have that peace of mind that, again, there's a person, i.e. a navigator or a team of, of navigators uh, that really have their back as they go through that continuum. So we've talked a little bit about um, developing a PAC strategy using the data that we have available to us from a, a lot of different sources. We've, we've talked a lot about, you know, what, what that strategy means from the standpoint of, of who's involved. And I want to move into a little bit about the actual deployment because let's, let's say that we've spent significant time developing our strategy. We really understand our market. Um, what is the next steps to actually getting our PAC strategy deployed and and how long does that strategy last? Is it is it two months, six months, a year, you know, it, or is it more of a dynamic plan that keeps um, ebbing and flowing as as we learn things once we get out into the marketplace? So, Blake, I think the the most successful communities are uh, are, are going to be those communities who make it that dynamic plan, uh, dealing with the ebbs and flows. A a, stra a, a pack strategy should be no 
longer than really a, a three month outlook about what's going to to be happening. But it's a it's a weekly look back on ensuring that you're receiving the uh, desired results, which typically are those referrals um, that that you hope to be achieving. And the a community needs to be um, aware that their strategy will change over the course of time, and the time could be relatively short depending on their market. That's one of the reasons why we send quarterly updates as it relates to the scorecard for the data um, that that market research creates. We want to make sure that a community is aware of the position they're holding within the market, within these hospital systems, and have their eye on, are they gaining market share hopefully our goal um, if they're losing that that losing market share is that that we have uh, we don't wait too long and that we can change uh, course accordingly so um, really these results should be monitored weekly and and uh, at least the plan visited quarterly to make sure that that we're getting the results that that we need I, I think that's a great statement um, it, it's it's a live program. It's not it's not ever dying. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of times we we develop plans and then everybody gets excited for the first week and we go out and we're we're really you know making headway and then for whatever reason it gets put on the shelf because of other priorities um, and never gets dusted off again and it becomes more of a checkbox. Yeah, I did a post acute uh, strategic plan. Here it is if I'm asked to turn it in or go over it with somebody that visits um, from the home office. But but I, I think it's much bigger than that, don't you? I do. You know, I just in, in my recent experience in, in thinking about uh, communities who I've had the opportunity to visit to either create a, a post-acute plan or revisit the plan, um, the, the most successful communities are those who are, are or constantly monitoring performance and changing course immediately. Those communities who achieve pretty quick success um, sometimes get a little lazy um, with uh, with with their post acute plan. They 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 rest on that that success is always going to be hap- is always going to happen. So when there is a dip in occupancy, regardless of situation, we're kind of scratching our heads, saying, "Hmm, I wonder how the market has changed and what we should be doing now." So a community really does need to stay on top of what's happening in the community at large. Um, so with their, their hospital partners and then also with what's happening uh, with, the, with the competition. So who also is receiving a lion's share of the referrals? I think what I've found to be fascinating in, in this process, um, Cindy and Tony, is um, a lot of times as we develop this information and we present it to the communities to become part of their uh, PAC strategy. I, I think there's a lot of surprises at times where communities felt like they were, you know, top of the heap. They were doing everything they could do in their market, only to find out that their competitor down the street was getting a, a lot more action than they were. Um, so it gives them an opportunity to say a little bit of reflection in their PAC strategy. To say, is this really working? Yeah, and just quickly going back to your to your recipe, Cindy, when I think about that R um, in relationships, I think the communities that um, that have effective and sustainable PAC strategies 
are the ones that are just in constant communication with those hospitals in particular, uh, and, and not just on a on a case by case. Our residents are are you know receiving some care. We're going to swing by and visit them. You know, coordinate that care. Not not necessarily that, but whether it's quarterly meetings or monthly meetings. Um, as I've seen, some of our communities have those just really consistent relationships with them, where they're constantly participating in these in these strategic meetings with them, uh, and even some of our communities with closed certificate of need, um, you know, the ones that don't necessarily um, take those outside referrals. I see them caring a little bit more and not being as complacent about that PAC strategy because they know that that next month or that next quarter, um, they have that standing meeting and appointment with the you know hospital, whether it's the C-suite, whether it's their PAC team, whether it's whomever. Uh, and I feel like that's a good way for them to just always uh, have it on their radar to, to Blake's point that it doesn't just sit on the shelf. So I would say that's a point of encouragement to communities as if you could establish that ongoing um, uh, relationship, meeting, whatever you want to call it with your one, two or three hospitals, that's going to kind of motivate you to, to have to stay on top of your PAC strategy so that you have something to talk about. Well, I think I I can't stress that enough, Tony, is this is exactly what the data does is it, it, it gives you some credibility when you're sitting across from any of those hospital partners saying, I, I understand what your pain points are, where the opportunity exists, and this is how I'm going to help you. Without this data, I mean, we go in kind of empty handed saying, yeah, we're ready for your, your admissions with, with not understanding how we're going to be a mutually beneficial partner with the hospital um, that, that we're meeting with. It gives us the, it gives them the why they should be uh, partnering even more so with us. Yeah. The, the other quick thing I'll say, since we're talking about kind of sustaining that PAC strategy, I'll just draw a quick parallel um, to the uh, to the navigation program. You know, communities, once they get it in place, they go through their training, their orientation, their onboarding, um, very similar to the PAC strategy. And absolutely, as a part of the PAC strategy, that navigation program needs to always be um, looked at, uh, you know, processes uh, and protocols need to always be looked at uh, and to make sure that everybody continues to be on the same page as far as who does what when, uh, the consistency of the data capturing and data entry um, needs to be there. Uh, and, and really the, the refreshing, um, you brought this up earlier, Cindy, of that dashboard and the consistent delivery of that data um, to the right people um, that are going to go out there and, and communicate that, making that a part of the scorecard, making that a part of the, um, you know, the, the pack packet um, that people are taking out there to communicate how it is that they're doing. So I think very similar to the pack strategy, the navigation program is also not a one and done. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an evolving, uh, um, uh, it's an evolving initiative uh, that, that people constantly need to just reevaluate and make sure that it's working as, as well as it can be. And it's a little, I mean, for the for the community who's just developing for the first time, it can be a little cumbersome and feel a little clunky. Uh, so that's what we're here to help you with. And then as the plan's being executed, we can ref refine it so that it works perfectly for your community. And then it just really becomes a well-oiled machine. So when I'm working with communities who really are um, deploying a, a PAC strategy and, and are changing it as appropriate, just their level of confidence as they speak about the market is pretty significant versus those communities who aren't using data, not really sure where to start, not really sure what to say, a lot of anxiety there. So um, I couldn't agree with you more. 
Well, I think they're all great points that that you guys are making, and and I think the challenge is, you know, you got to start somewhere. Um, you know, the important part about the PAC strategy is to just get off the ground, and um, whether it's kind of in its infancy or otherwise, you know, you really have to get out of the gate to um, be in the race at all, and particularly now, um, j just kind of to wrap things up, there's there's a lot of headwinds, crosswinds, um, tailwinds going on in the market right now. I want to just briefly talk about a few of those that are going on. We know the change of reimbursements coming um, down the pipe, um, acuities rising in in almost every post-acute setting, um, including skilled nursing, and then the impact of you know the residents themselves and the choices that they have at adult children and you know, what the community can accommodate or what they can't from the uh, level of nursing that they might be able to provide. Um, any comments from either of you about those types of things and, and how, to con how to consider those when you look at your PAC strategy? So I, I would say given just the, the diversity of what's out there and how ever-changing that landscape is, um, we need to consistently position ourselves as that top provider of choice and to all of the, the different stakeholders that have a say in you know where where that patient goes or if it's the patient themselves or if it's the loved one uh, of that resident or patient to say here's where it makes the most sense for you to go uh, i think we want to make it as much of a no-brainer as possible uh, that that we're the ones who you want to work with and again just given all of that variability that you just talked about um, that's where it's we can't just take it for granted and it's not just the you know, build it and they will come. We need to consistently make that case. Uh, and, and I think through those efforts, um, all of the above that we just talked about, um, you do make it, you can make it as much of a no-brainer as possible um, so that you're referred to, so that people go to you if you have that reputation about about what it is that, that you're doing. So the only thing that I would add to that is, uh, so the resident's experience plays a, a huge role in, in making it a no-brainer. So somebody who chose your community, maybe it was because the discharge planner referred them there because of the excellent outcomes, but the customer service and the hospitality was second to none. So I don't think that we can forget the soft side of this either. And so capturing those testimonials, whether they're going on to your website or, or social media somehow, but but the the market also has to be aware of the, the personal experience that those are having in, in your community as well. Well, and, and, and Blake, I, I think, can you talk a little bit about, um, and I, I think we take this for granted because we sort of live it and breathe it every day, but I think our, our listeners who, um, again, our administrators, executive directors, members of that kind of PAC team, navigation team, um, even though we've been talking about it for years now, the, the hospital readmission reduction program, the, you know, SNF value-based purchasing, these are things that, again, everybody, we would like to think should know uh, as part of the why. Uh, we haven't talked about that a whole lot. I think it merits just, just sort of circling back to that. And even when you look ahead to the next, you know, couple of years, uh, and even what communities are experiencing now, uh, again, with penalties and whatnot, um, you know, how does that incentivize them to really make sure that they have a PAC strategy that's sustainable and effective? Well, I, I think that's a great comment, Tony. Um, there are a lot of changes going on with how we deliver care and, and how we're paid to deliver that care. 
and especially around you know the new, the new payment model coming out in 2019 specifically related to you know what does the patient need versus what's best for the community to provide and and I, I do agree with Cindy's comment that at the end of the day it's all about experience it's about the consumer having the best possible experience they can. It's about the family enjoying the experience that they and their loved one um, had when they came to the community. It's about the the hospital or referring partner, whether that's a, a health plan or, or just a traditional Medicare patient coming into our building. Um, they get reports back from family members about, you know, wow, I went to this community, it was, it was amazing and had the best experience. And so they get more and more confident in what we're doing. But at the same time, the, the governmental oversight, to your point, Tony, is is, is um, ever changing and we have to be able to adapt to that. Um, examples are, you know, the, the recent value-based purchasing uh, payment system that provided either a penalty or a, a bonus for communities that, that performed well or didn't. Um, so, so I think part of the part of the PAC strategy is not only, you know, how do we exist in the market, but but how do we stay compliant and work within the parameters and guardrails that the, even the federal or state governments are putting on us. Um, at the end of the day, we we can provide some amazing care and we can provide it in some amazing settings within LCS, and I think that that lends itself to be a real positive, um, but. We just can't get complacent um, and believe that we're always the best in the market because that may not be the case at all. So any um, closing comments that either of you would like to make? Um, I, I think this is really, we could probably go on for a couple of hours talking about this, but um, to be kind to our listeners and and getting message out, you know, we, we maybe even hopefully could do a, a series of these um, just really around marketing and sales and developing this pack strategy. Um, any closing comments, Cindy? Um, my only closing remark, Blake, is that I stand by ready to help a community to create their post-acute strategy if they don't have one or if they do and it's not producing the results that they need, let's review it and readjust um, as necessary. Um, I'll just close really quick um, by uh, j- just sharing a just a quick example. Um, you know, last week, uh, Cindy, myself, other members of our um, health services team, um, you know, we had a, um, a session with a community um, that literally was right in the middle of this process that we're talking about. And um, Cindy was there on site, and um, their entire PAC team, uh, for the most part, was there. And um, again, our resources were, were a part of that. And really, the um, the energy, uh, the excitement, and, and in all honesty, the, the fun. You know, when when you're um, again strategizing and brainstorming and putting ideas out there that are going to make you just a better organization, um, there, there's a there's a fun factor to that. There's an excitement factor to that that makes you feel good about what you're doing. Uh, and it's not the you know the the, the drudging. Ugh, you know, I have to do this. Or like you said earlier, Blake, um, check the box. It's it's something that that can be. Um, again, exciting in a way that um, positions you and the community for for success. So it was just uh, great. Uh, again, having the again the, the the nursing team, the clinical team, 
Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about what they were doing from a navigation standpoint. The local therapy team, uh, um, the therapy group uh, from a corporate level, uh, again, our market research team, our health services division, and everybody just collaboratively uh, um, just putting their thoughts uh, and ideas out there uh, and setting up that plan um, to make them, again, just, just best in class. And, and this isn't a community that's necessarily struggling. Um, um, so they're still wanting to, again, be as great as they can be. So just just to share a quick example of how um, the feeling of that really um, is something that communities can get excited about and, and hoping that they take advantage of to Cindy's point on, you know, we're, we're here as a resource for people. I think that's a great point. I, I think the health service division has a lot of opportunity to assist where um, communities feel like they need it. Um, the post-acute strategy um, plan and deployment, um, feel free to reach out to anybody in the health service division, particularly uh, Tony and Susan um, and uh, Cindy that are deploying kind of the, the clinical, the navigation um, part and the sales and marketing working together to develop the best possible programming in our communities that does get us to that best of class. So. Um, I'd, I'd like to thank Tony and Cindy for joining today in this podcast from the Health Services Division. I'm Blake Gilman. Thanks for joining us today. Legal disclaimer. Life Care Services LLC is not engaged in rendering legal advice. Therefore, any information provided in this podcast, although intended to be correct, is also not intended to replace or supersede the advice of your legal counsel. Also, thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast.